0: I'm Marissa Norcross.
1: And I'm Dave Freud. And this is The Next Page. Marissa, how are you?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm good. It's um, It's been a long week, but it's been a good week. Mm-hmm. Busy week. And today, today I actually went out to find the monument that I wrote about today. Oh, that's awesome. And now we record this like a week before it airs. Mm-hmm it was cold today.
0: <laughs> yeah, you were like, brave. <laughs> oh
1: my goodness. I got out of my truck and I'm walking and, and I couldn't find the monument. It wasn't where I thought it was. And so I'm looking, looking. And so I get back in my car and and I actually tried to call my son who knows where the monument is and he couldn't take the call. And then I drive and I'm sitting at a at a stoplight and a block away from where I thought it was. And I look out my driver's window there it was so then i parked the car again got back out took a picture um it's really cool it's not as big as i thought it was but it really is an amazing monument and did we did we do a teaser last week to say what this was about
0: um i don't think so
1: i don't think we did so the title of uh today's post was a time for mercy and I first heard about this monument, I think it was around Thanksgiving of this of last year. And, and it just intrigued me. My son Mike actually told me about it, and that's why I went looking for it. So you have to think back, we're going back now to the year of 1793. There is no city of Syracuse. There is a small settlement of European settlers on the shore of Onondaga Lake. In what I guess is technically the town of Salina, there's 33 people in this settlement. Thirty of the 33 are sick with a fever, and there's nobody around now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One of the guys, so one of the adults was still able to function, and so he keeps the the salt brine vats boiling because that was what the settlement did; it produced salt. There was a doctor, a doctor by the name of David Holbrook, who was in Jamesville, who would ride into the town of or to the village of Saline. It was no town then, uh, to help. But that wasn't going to cut it. These people were going to die, or probably starve to death, is what probably would have happened. When all of a sudden, these Native Americans from the Onondaga tribe show up and they show up with fish and venison and for two months made made the ride up from south of what is now the city of Syracuse up to north of what is the city of Syracuse to help these 33 people you know help the 30 of them get get you know help nurse them back to health um give them the food so they can be strengthened And over the next year, that settlement grows to 65 people, if I'm not mistaken. And of that 65, 63, excuse me, 23 passed away. But if it wouldn't have been for the Onondagas, we might not have a city today in Syracuse. And so in 1935, someone decided that this really needed to be commemorated in a monument and so there is this in kind of so if you think about downtown where i think it's bank of america now but it was the syracuse savings bank it's the really beautiful kind of yellowish brick Mm -hmm. bank right in clinton square so if you think east of that there's a parking lot just east of it go one more parking lot over and so it might be montgomery street i think so the corner of erie and montgomery is this stone with this beautiful bronze plaque on it that literally talks about the fact that in 1793, thanks to the support and the help of the Onondagas, the settlers survived. Now, that's a wonderful story. Mm -hmm. But that's not the whole story, to borrow a phrase from Paul Harvey. The rest (laughs) of the story, which if people haven't gathered is, a little bit the inspiration for the next page because we couldn't say the rest of the story. Think about what the Onondagas were going through. The Revolutionary War that was work, that when it's worked its way through New York State, burned their village, burned their corn crops. They had um, just about been wiped out by smallpox that the Europeans brought. So these settlers up in Salina would not necessarily be considered their friends. Also, for the Onondagas, the Onondaga Lake is a very special, almost spiritual place for them because they believe, their tradition holds, that the Iroquois Confederacy was born on the shores of Onondaga Lake. So now we have this almost holy place that these white settlers are settling on, and yet the Onondagas still come to help them, to help nurse them back to health. The first record that we actually have of the Onondagas being kind to people would be in in 1654 when the Onondagas shared with Father Simon Lemoyne where the salt brine was, Mm -hmm. where the, the, the the salt brine spring that was coming out of the ground was so that they could make salt. And it just had me think, you know, if we had a little bit more of that kind of compassion today wouldn't the world be a better place it just so for me it was really inspirational and there there was an article in the post standard that that actually ran I think in 1994 they they did run it again I don't remember when it was it might have even been last year they might have put something up on it but I, I could be completely wrong maybe it was 2012 I'm not certain of that but they actually talked about in 1994 when they were able to sit down with uh, Leon Shenandoah and ask him about it and ask him about the Onondaga Nation. And and it was interesting. This is what he he said when they talked about this plaque and what it really meant. And he just said, well, it was a logical thing to do. And then you'd wonder, logical by whose standards? Right. It certainly wasn't a logical thing to do by the standards that, most of the other people in this country had at that time in terms of the settlers. And so then he he goes on to say, when I was sitting with my elders, they said, you need to treat everyone. Well, that's according to the creator. And I just thought, what a wonderful thing Mm -hmm. that their objective, their teaching, the teaching that he got at the feet of his elders, as he was growing up in the nation, South of the city was that you treat everyone. Well, you're kind to people. You do the right things for people. And for me, there's this. that's a tremendous leadership lesson. You know, leadership isn't about overcoming evil with evil. True leaders overcome evil with good. They do the right thing. They, they work to find a way to change their world, to borrow a phrase that I've used several weeks in a row now. And so when I started doing a little bit more digging in this, I found some amazing things out. Um i didn't know about, and I should have because i've been to the, the the French fort that's on the shores of Onondaga Lake when I was a kid i used to, i remember going there um but i didn't remember that in sixteen fifty four the French missionary you know father Simon Lemoyne was shown the- the brine spring by the Onondagas. I should have known that, but here this was an interesting thing that I found so in seventeen eighty seven when our the founding fathers of our country are trying to gather together and debate what kind of government we're going to have, they couldn't find any modern democracies anywhere in Europe to model ours after. So they modeled our democracy after the Iroquois Confederacy.
0: That's, that's I didn't know that either.
1: Isn't that cool? That's it's really just, cool. To me, like, it kind of gives me goosebumps just to mm-hmm. think about it. That the Iroquois Confederacy, the way it was formed, the way it interacted, the way it governed itself, really had so many of its its tenets rooted in our U.S. Constitution. So that, to me, was just amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and I think for those of us that live in central New York, what an amazing blessing to be able to literally put a face with the people that, Didn't care, they risked their own life, they risked their own illness to take care of the European settlers who would eventually be those that made up the city of Syracuse. And so, one of the things, too, that I found really um, that was a positive is that, you know, the city of Syracuse over the years had just about destroyed Onondaga Lake just all of the chemicals that flowed into that lake and the sewage that flowed into that lake. And, and it kind of, you know, it breaks your heart to think that for the Onondagas, this is, this is a very special place and it was just being destroyed. And it's really exciting to see the lake coming back, Mm -hmm. you know, the lake recovering after it's, you know, once you stop polluting it and once you start filtering things that are going into it, out of it type of thing, um, that you can really bring the lake back, and and I was actually on the lake last summer. Some friends of ours um, took us out on the lake, and it's it's a beautiful sight to see the city of Syracuse from the lake. So th- that was my lesson on this one. It's it's an obscure little plaque on a well, not little. It's probably three feet tall. Um, you do put pictures with the email, and I never, mm-hmm. I didn't realize you did until I opened. Uh, <laughs> the one about the Jerry rescue, like, oh, she's got a picture of it. (laughs) So that's that's why I decided the picture that I found in the paper wasn't good enough and I was going to have to go Mm -hmm. um, take one myself. So that's why I took the one with the snow on it today. But it's there, and I really hope that, as I wrote in my post, I really hope that we take the time to go and look at the plaque and think about what motivated our neighbors to the south to do that. We certainly didn't earn their kindness, mm-hmm. but they, they offered it anyways. And that's where I, where I remembered the, you know, it's actually a scripture quote to, you know, you don't, don't overcome evil with evil. You overcome evil with good. And they were living that out. And so for me, mm-hmm. it's a great example, especially today yeah. in, in our society that is so filled with vitriol and hatred. And no, you do what's right. You treat everyone well. Mm -hmm. What were some of your thoughts? I didn't mean to preach a sermon on this one. No, it was super inspiring for me.
0: I, you know, I I have not been incredibly useful through uh, the monument series so far because a a lot of what we've talked about is new to me, Um, and what it's telling me is that there's so much history right here, all around us, right locally, whether we live. You know, in the city, in the suburbs, a little bit further out in the country, there's these, you know, plaques and monuments that we drive by all the time that tell a, a really amazing story. I mean, I like you said, this was 1793. Yes. And to think that, you know, we're this isn't necessarily something we're, you know, we're learning in school or that right. you know, we're reading about. It's not a, you know, a current event. There's, there's plenty of that going on. But um, yeah. there's so much we could learn right. from our local history. And I, like, I, I really appreciate that you're helping us out with that because these are things I wouldn't have known.
1: And, and, you know, so people say, well, what do we gain from a monument? Well, I think we gain perspective and mm-hmm. we get refocused. So, I realized that's a rather abrupt place to end the podcast, but we had some technical difficulties, and the content that we really wanted to get across was already there. So, that's where we're going to end for this week. For Marissa Norcross, I'm Dave Freund, and this was The Next Page.